The Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. No Motes, just Euler today on a Wednesday. So you know what that means. I mean, I can't just talk to myself for two hours, all right? I had to bring some friends along and one of our good friends here, both on the show and in real life. It's our buddy, Chris Carter. You know him from everywhere. He does work here on SNR, DK Pittsburgh Sports, the Locked on Steelers podcast. You see his beautiful mug on WPXI from time to time as well, too. He's the only person who wears more hats than me. CeCe, what's up, cousin? How we doing? What's up, Wes? How you living? I'm, uh, I'm not too bad. Uh, you know, so we, we had a little... Um, I don't. I, I almost said issue, but it's not really an issue. Like we had a thing come up last week, right, where we can't play licensed music on the show anymore, right? So we really, have, so we can't do Migos. So, so, so no Migos. Yeah, you know, no, uh, oh, no, no Sam Cooke that we like to play on Fridays. No Billy Joel. Oh. No Billy Joel that Moats likes to play on Wednesdays. But it's because our podcast is growing and getting bigger, and we just want to be careful that we're not, you know, stepping on anybody's toes or doing anything wrong. But we did get this new, uh, you know, I was playing it here. We had one of our listeners send us this uh, this beat, Mr. Carter. So I'm, I'm living, buddy. I got a hoodie and shorts on in the middle of November. I got listeners sending us tunes. Life's good. Sounds good. I, mean, it's, uh, I like that beat there, whoever made that guy. Uh, it's not bad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're rocking and rolling. Chris Carter with us here on SNR. He's down on the south side getting ready for Steelers practice. Hey, speaking of practice, uh, Allen, I- Allen Iverson moment maybe for uh, for Joe Schobert or the opposite, talking about taking practice seriously. Chris, you and I both know how these work, how, how this works, I should say. You know, we're nuanced guys. We're, we're calm, rational guys. When your team loses or, you know, ties an 0-8 team, which feels like a loss, a, a lot of things can get dissected even more so. There can be even more maybe overreaction to small things. What was your reaction when you heard that comment from Joe Schobert talking about taking practice more seriously? I think there were kind of two camps, right? The, the first camp of people thinking, oh, man, we'll see Schobert's coming in here to Pittsburgh, and he's calling out his teammates, and he's calling out his coaches, and this, that, and the other. I think a lot of people thought, you know, that's man, it's just one of those things that you say after a disappointing performance, right? Like one of those athlete cliches. What did you make of those comments from Schobert game on Sunday? I mean, it's funny, but the two camps seem to be the people who were there and the people who weren't. The people who were there, like myself, like Chris Adamski, like Alan Saunders, like Dan Kovacevic, like Brooke Pryor, we were all like, yeah, okay, yeah, that, 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 makes, that makes sense. But it wasn't some huge call-out. I mean, if you even read the sentence before, he talks about, hey, like it's hard to practice tackling at this point in the season. He was talking about how the fact that the Steelers had like 28 less hours to prepare for this game because they had just played Monday Night Football. They had just had a really physical game where several guys were banged up. You know, people were questioning if Cam Hayward was even going to be able to play in that game. And, you know, and, and I think it's just the, the complete context is ripped out of it when it's like, I'm like, yeah, if you look at the Steelers' injury report, on Wednesday they put out there that they had to do a walkthrough. You know, and, and like, because you know, they're not going to put their guys out there and get them beat, beat right up again. Right. You know, when they're trying to recover from a Monday night football game. And then you got to get ready for a Sunday game. It's a short week. And then, you know, so Wednesday's a walkthrough, Friday's a walkthrough, because it always is. And Thursday, you're also not trying to go all that hard. So I, I think people 
you know, it was, it, there were some other things that I thought people could, could twist around. That was one where I'm like, man, you are really trying to twist things if you're trying to spin that into, oh, the Steelers don't practice anymore. Oh, like, <laughs> that, 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 that just seemed like a whole lot. What are we talking about here, Chris? We're talking about practice. Yeah, it, it just, it just, it was, it was like, I, I first, cause at first I didn't even see it all. Cause you know what? That's after a game. I'm looking over the film. I'm recording the lockdown. Steelers sure, podcast. Sure. I'm going over things. I'm taking my own notes. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to look at all the different media narratives that are out there, but then I saw like how big this was getting and how people were saying, Oh, the Steelers, they don't care to tackle. And I'm like, okay, everyone stop. Just, just stop it. That's not at all what's going on here. If you understood how it, you know, Joe Schobert's point is that like one in the middle of the season already, it is difficult to tackle. Everyone's dealing with injuries. Everyone's sure. dealing with bumps and bruises. So when you're coming in from a, from a long week of practice, you're, you're coming on here and you're saying, Hey, you know what? We're not going to take it as physical today. You know, getting the right angles, but it's, it's literally hard to take those physical reps because when you're hitting each other, you're exposing yourself to more chances for injury. You're making it harder for you to recover from any bumps and bruises you got from the last game. Some of Thomas trying to give his guys times to be fresh. You know, and sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. And in this case, it just didn't work. So Joe Schobert was saying, hey, in this instance, you know, you know, now we have a regular work week. We got Sunday at 1, at 1 p.m. game to a Sunday night football game. Now we'll have a full week of work. And, you know, that's why I'm interested to see how they practice the, over the next couple of days here. Chris Carter with us here on the Blitz. He's live down in Mr. Rooney's backyard at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. Chris, we heard from Mike Tomlin yesterday. He talked about how they're obviously more confident in, in Ben and TJ and some of these guys playing on Sunday, even on a shorter uh, you know, week of work with, with both injury concerns and COVID concerns. He also stated, though, that the team was going to go forward and kind of game plan this thing starting around Mason Rudolph. So let, let's talk a little bit about that, about about Mason for a second. Maybe maybe start here. His performance on Sunday. Uh, we This was obviously a, a huge debate on the show on Monday, I'm sure as you can imagine. Mason is a, is a polarizing guy amongst this fan base for sure. Moats and I, both of our take on Monday was that, that Mason played well enough for the Steelers to win. Was he perfect? No, but he played well enough, gave you what you needed from a backup quarterback, enough chances to win that game. They just couldn't get it done. Would you agree? How would you evaluate Mason Rudolph's performance from Sunday? I mean, he certainly gave them chances to win the game. I mean, the default of Deontay Johnson was actually a very, very good throw. But he also, you know, made several mistakes in this game. There was a play where Pat Frymuth was wide open. Yep. They didn't even, the Lions didn't even line up a guy over top of him, and he was just walking down the field, raising his hand like, hey, hey, throw it to me, throw it to me. And uh, Mason Rudolph tried to throw it into double coverage and almost get picked off over the middle. You know, I, I look at plays like that and then the skip pass to uh, Ray Ray McLeod when if he just throws, yep, throws in the end zone. a five-yard five check, it's a touchdown. You know, it's, it's, it's basic things like that that Mason still doesn't get done. But, again, he's a backup quarterback. Now, where I do think that this was a disappointment for, for Mason Rudolph is the camp that says that, oh, Mason, he's the future. He's the guy. Even if he's not the future starter for the franchise quarterback, he's your bridge quarterback. He's your guy to get you to the next version of Ben Roethlisberger. Well, to me, he showed that he wasn't that. I think that was the most disappointing thing was that, like, hey, man, like, you came into this game. This is your chance to really shine. And you weren't as consistent and as sharp right. as you could have been right. against a really bad team. That that to me is a disappointing factor. But you know, this isn't. Of course, this isn't all on Mason. Is a good bit of it. Yeah, sure. You know, because he made made he probably made the most mistakes in the game as it comes with being the quarterback. But you know, Pat Frymuth's fumble costly. But you know, that was his one mistake in the game. Deontay Johnson's fumble costly, but that was his one mistake in the game. You know, it, it was a true team tie. You know, that was the thing. You know, that was, you know, normally I say a team loss, right? But I still. I'm still struggling saying that, you know, it's not too high. It sounds weird. 
Um, but, you know, that's, that's what it came down to. But Mason Rupp, not, not the sole reason that they didn't win the game, of course, just he does need to be sharper. Yeah, no, I, I, buddy, I completely agree with that. I, I, he certainly, you know, the, 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 the skip past Ray Ray McLeod stands out as a real missed opportunity. Uh, Mason Rudolph could have played better, but I think, I think you nailed it. I think that speaks more to his term, or his ability to, or, or lack thereof, to be the long-term guy, to be the bridge guy for the Steelers after Ben Roethlisberger, more than it speaks to what did you expect from a backup quarterback, right? I mean, I think, I think we do this a lot of times. Like, we expect every backup quarterback, you know, to be Charlie Batch or to be Case Keenum, and that's just not the case. There's only... 12 to 15, you know, I think legitimate franchise quarterbacks in the NFL, or at least guys that are being treated by their team like a franchise quarterback. There's there's 64, quick math, uh, two deep quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, that is what you get from backups in that situation. I- I'm with you. Mason certainly left some plays out there, but I thought he played well enough for the team to win around him. Um, that performance, though, what I'm taking more so is is kind of exactly what you said, his his future uh, for the Steelers, which seems like it, it, it might be uh, that question might be playing itself out as we go here. You, you mentioned, Chris, some fumbles in those big moments, right? And I know this is something Mike Tomlin talked about yesterday, how the Steelers need to detail their work on both sides of the football. On defense, it's, it's being sharper with tackling. On offense, it's the ball security stuff. And, you know, I was thinking about this as I was listening to him, Chris, and I, I talked about this a little bit in the open. You know, like ball security in big moments unfortunately feels like it's been a theme for this team for a few years now, right? Like we don't need to remember that 2018 uh, Juju and the James Conner fumbles that were very costly in big games that, you know, at the end of the season, you're looking back on that and you're saying, ah, man, if we would have just done this differently, we'd be in the playoffs. You know, we've seen it from Deontay. We've seen it from Pat. We saw it from Juju in 2019 against Baltimore. It just feels like ball security in big moments has been a, a, a costly theme for this team since 2018. I mean, there's been there's been some moments like that where you look back and you're like, man. But you know what? One thing I say I say about this, Wes, is that every team got moments. You know, it may not be very true. Security, very true. It may, be, it, it may be, you know, you know, uh, integrity in your, in your in your gap integrity, giving up big runs in the wrong moments, giving up big passes in the wrong moments, you know, throwing interceptions in the wrong moments. You know, almost every team can go back and say, man, we why is why is it us? Oh Lord, why? And then you look around the league, it's like, oh well, everyone has problems like that. You know, is it? Is it unfortunate? Yeah, sure. I mean, and you know, you compare it to that Saints that Saints loss from 2018. Now, granted, now we're talking three years ago, so we're kind of stringing together sure, sure, you know, sure. completely, di- completely different versions of what different offensive coordinators, but, and a lot has changed since then. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, 2018. I mean, heck, that was before Randy Feigner, I believe. I, that was, wasn't that the last year? No, that was the first year. Of Randy that was Fiedner. yeah. Hey, that was AB yeah. was still in time. Yeah, geez, uh, oh, what a time! Um, but uh, but you, know, you remember Stephen, Stephen Ridley and Juju fumbled in the fourth quarter of that game. It was mm-hmm. a lot like you know the two fumbles in this overtime tie. So um, you know th- there are situations there, but that's not something that like you know it's like oh they're not practicing or they don't care to protect the football. It's like hey, you know what? These guys made some crucial crucial plays here. You know, and, and you think back and you see some of the, some of the ways that the ball was punched out was just a heck of a play. Marlon Humphrey goes for the ball all the time when he popped it out of Juju's hands. Juju, I think, has two fumbles in his entire career with a whole bunch of touches. And, uh, you know, so it, it's not like it's not like he doesn't try to. It's just sure. like, hey, you know what? Sometimes the other teams, they're going to try to make plays for the football. Um, you know, I do think that there will be an increased, you know, effort to say, hey, protect the ball when, when, when you're when you're moving, when you're moving is there, especially in the, in the big moments, because sometimes 
you know, as a player, you're saying, hey, like Deontay Johnson on that play, if he just goes down a second earlier, he's fine. But he's trying to make the big play. He's trying to say, hey, I'm trying to end it right now. We've we played horribly. I'm trying to put this team on my back. And he just didn't see the guy behind him coming to punch the ball out. Um, you know, that's tough when you're, when you're a shifty, fast guy that relies on being, um, being that guy. Sometimes you, you, know, you let it slip. It's like, oh, I, wasn't, I didn't protect my backside on that one. So right. um, it's a tough situation, but it is something that they're going to have to address. I'm not, but at, at the same time, I think it's tough to tie this to stuff that happened three years ago. Chris Carter laying it down, as always. A few more minutes here with our good buddy. Uh, you hear him here on SNR, DK Pittsburgh Sports, the Locked On Steelers podcast, WPXI, great uh, knowledge as always. Uh, let's switch to uh, defense here a, a little bit then, Mr. Carter. I want to get your take. You know, this is something uh, you, Moats, and I talked about Devin Bush back at training camp. You and I have talked about him, I think, both here on SNR, maybe on 970 ESPN as well throughout the season. Are you starting to get to that point? Like, <laughs> Moats and I were laughing on Monday because I think some people were calling us Mason Rudolph apologists on Monday. And, I, like, we, we are not Mason Rudolph apologists, but I said it is fair. You could probably consider Moats and I Devin Bush apologists. Like, we have we have given this guy a, a very long leash throughout the last three years. And, and I think rightfully so, even more so with his knee injury. You know, but, buddy, all of a sudden you look up and, and he's played, I think, thirty ga- 29 or 30 games in the National Football League. We all know there's the added pressure, not only when you're a first-round pick, but certainly when a team trades up into the top 10 to get you. Man, we, we know the tackling on defense has been an issue. It seems like maybe the, the guy most under the magnifying glass for that is Devin Bush. Are, are you starting to sour on 55 a little bit? Where are you at with what you've seen from him so far this season? Well, I, th- I think to be fair to you both of yourselves, you're not giving you, you didn't give him a long leash for three years. You're giving him a long leash for just the past couple months here. Right, right. He was re- he was really good as a rookie. I mean, I, I don't know anyone that looks at his tape and says, "Man, Devin Bush, what a terrible linebacker from that rookie tape." <laughs> in the first six games that he played, he was really good. He was a huge reason they shut down Saquon Barkley in that first game of the season, which was a big reason why they they started off and, and got things going last year. And he he was a very good linebacker for two years. It's just that. Unfortunate part, he got injured at the wrong time, and now and now he's still recovering from that. But you know, I, it's funny. Fans who want to be mad about everything when the, when the team loses, they call anyone that doesn't agree with them apologists. It's the lamest, most boring take. It's the most boring. You know, it's all like, oh, you're an apologist because you don't agree with me. It's like, oh, grow up, get over yourself. Because you know what? You can actually look at the tape and see plenty of reasons to why things are going on. Now there are times, yes, Devin Bush doesn't do what he's supposed to do. And there's times that you're like, man, Devin, could you could you could attack this a little bit better. But you also look at just rationale. And I'm sure you guys have brought this up on SNR, but you know, he's getting there are linemen getting to him almost every run play out there, especially with the Steelers' problems with the depth of the defensive line in front of them. You know, they're 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 getting past you know Henry Mondo, they're getting past Chris Warman, they're getting past past Isaiah Bugs. And when linemen are doing that, it's making it very hard on the on the linebackers to yes. shed Big, big offensive guards and centers who are getting up and just smothering them, and that's just that's just a reality. I don't think people get that you know that, you know that that's part of part of football. If you go back to the mid two thousands, after the early two thousands, Ravens fizzled out. You know, Sam Adams, Tony Saragusa, like that that defensive line that helped build the two thousand Ravens that everyone talks about all the time. That when they when they retired and got old, Ray Lewis was exposed. And he was getting hit by linemen left and right. And he went out to the front. He went to Ozzie Newsom and the Ravens front office and said, hey, I need help. I need someone. I need defensive linemen to cause you love. That's why they went and got Haloti Nada. That's mm-hmm. why they went and got guys to plug up the middle. And then all of a sudden, 
Ray Lewis is allowed to be Ray Lewis again. He's flying sideline to sideline, hitting everybody. But Jack Lambert needed that. That's why Mean Joe Green and Ernie Holmes and Benny Banasek, that's why all those guys that play defensive tackle in front, they're, they're so crucial. That's why Casey Hampton was so good. He kept James yep. Barrier clean for years. And the, the Steelers, they have one guy in Cam Hayward who can kind of who can do that at times, but you also want him to you know, be a pass rusher, so you want him to be more aggressive. But you just don't have two guys like Brett Keysel and Aaron Smith who just eat blockers and keep your linebackers clean. That's a, that's a challenge. And I, don't, I think people underestimate how important that is. And uh, when you're getting hit by offensive guards and centers all the time at inside linebackers, it turns you from being able to be a playmaker to saying, wow, I have to go outside of my strength to go make plays. So that's where I still have it on Devin Bush. Are there things he can do better? Absolutely. I think he can take better angles. I think he can finish plays a little bit better, but he also makes more plays. People give him credit for it. He had eight tackles the other day, I believe. Um, some of them were, were key stops for the Steelers. So, you know, I think he's, he's, he's getting back from his ACL. He's dealing with the defensive line issues I just mentioned. There's a lot of other mitigating factors into his play. I'd like to see where he goes from here. I also want to remind people, uh, Wes, that, you know, people called me a Bud Dupree apologist. For years, <laughs> I think he's. I think he's got something in there. We just they just need to unlock it, and uh, and they're like, no, Chris, he's a bust. He'll never be good in the NFL. He shouldn't. They should have never picked. Oh, next the next thing, you no, know, he has double digit sacks. Yeah, you know he's a, he's a problem, and everyone's crying. Why because the Steelers pay him? It's just like calm down. Just wait. You know, just wait. Wait and keep watching the tape. See if a, see if the young guy develops. He's also twenty three years old. Has plenty of time to figure things out before he becomes a, a serious playmaker for the Steelers. Yeah, you know, Chris, I, I like that Devin Bush, or Devin Bush. I like that Bud Dupree parallel with Devin Bush. I, I think especially it's even at the next level, right? Because not only like Bud is Devin a first-round pick, he's one that the Steelers traded up into the top ten, their first top ten pick on defense since Rod Woodson all the way back in '87. There's mm-hmm. there's lofty expectations for that guy, and that's not his fault. Like he didn't call up this Kevin Colbert and say, "Hey, man, you got to trade into the top ten and come get me," right? Like it was the Steelers' decision to do that. But I think you have a, a lot of that same Bud Dupree. You're a first-round pick. Where's the production? But even at a higher level, because he He's a top 10 first-round pick that the Steelers traded up and went to go get. Chris, before I let you out of here, buddy, uh, one or two questions. You know, I, I solicited some questions from the listeners on Twitter for you, all right? So we got two. Oh, I, oh. I picked two good ones here for you, all right? All right, all right. First one's from Rod Dollar. Rod says, ask Chris who he thinks fills in for Minka Fitzpatrick at free safety this weekend. It's going to be a mix of everybody. It's going to be Trey Norwood. I think they could bump back Camp Sutton a couple times, but it's not going to be a one-man job. And Tom even said so on his Tuesday. So, um, you know, but he, you know, that's going to be a multifaceted task. They're going to have several guys doing different things because uh, they don't want to put Norwood as the lone guy back there that's always has to do things. But they do want to, you know, put give him some chances to play. But you also, you know, you got Cam Sutton. If, J- if Joe Hayden can play, you're going to be cool with James Pierre being out on the outside and let Sutton roam around a little bit and do and do help with that. The biggest thing for whoever replaces Minka Fitzpatrick, just don't give up the big play. You don't have to be a supreme playmaker. You don't have to break up all the passes. Just go out there and keep the lid on the defense. Force to offenses to have long, successful drives that they want to score on the Steelers. That's, that's the biggest factor there. So it's going to be multiple guys. I agree. Good answer. All right, here's the last one for you, buddy. Steelers Nation 920, our buddy up in Wisconsin, wants to know, if the NFL added an expansion team, what city should it be in? Ooh. You know, I feel like St. Louis got roused when they lost their, when they lost the Rams. 
That would be a good one. I was, yeah, I was thinking St. Louis or Oakland were the first kind of ones that came to mind for me. Oh, man. O- o- Oakland deserves a team back, man. I, I know that they're, they're, they were heartbroken when the Raiders left. You could even you, – yeah, like, I guess it would be tough to move the Raiders back from Las Vegas. Right, just give right. Vegas, they give Vegas their own team. Um, yeah, that uh, would have been, been the right answer a couple years ago for sure. Right, it would have been there. But here's the thing. I, w- I would also – I think the, the NFL has an untapped market in Toronto. You go to Canada. Oh, that's get, a good you one. Get the, you, get, you get the other country. Well, now, all of a sudden, all those great cup fans, now they're going to be that's like, That's a real hey, good wait, one. We, we, we get this kind of one. That's going to bring in that – would, that would bring in so much more revenue because then that's not just Toronto's team. That's Canada's team. And they're like, we got a team in the NFL. Let's go. Yeah. So – that that would just that would just further boost the money coming to the NFL. I think that would be your smartest move is get to get a big city like Toronto and then you bring the whole country of Canada with you. You know what? That's a really good. You know, everyone talks about London, Chris, but I think Toronto or even Mexico City is the real answer there. If if they were going to expand outside of the outside of the United States, Toronto, yeah. I feel like Canada. There, there's already the market there. Mexico City, I feel like every time the NFL goes there, it's always a, a huge success and there's always a massive turnout. You know what? I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down partner i dig it uh chris carter kind enough to join us live from steelers practice on the south side at the upmc rooney sports complex make sure you're showing him some love on at carter critiques on twitter and uh checking out all of the 37 different outlets that he contributes to buddy thank you as always for your time i know you're a busy man always great catching up with you and we'll talk soon thanks partner Thanks for having me, Wes. Always appreciate you. There he is, my guy, Chris Carter. Good friend of the show. Good friend in real life. CeCe with the good stuff, as always, here on the Steelers Blitz. That's, you know, if if you've started to pick up on some themes, right? Anytime Arthur Motes is out, I try and have Chris Carter on. It's like, I mean, I can only work so hard, you know? I need somebody else to rock the microphone. I used to always lean on Crowley, too, right? We used to have Crowley on all the time as well, but now he works for the iHeart Network. He's a big timer. He's got a crazy schedule. He works from, like, 3 a.m. to, like, 11 a.m. And, yeah, I think the last thing he wants to do after working eight hours through the night is to come in here and do a show with me for two hours. I get it. I get it. Uh, But a big thanks to Chris, as always. Um, kind enough to join me just about every single time Arthur Motes is not here. Now, we, we've had Chris on. Like, when I set this up with Chris, I didn't know that Motes was going to be out yet. But it did work out pretty well, too, if I do say so myself. It is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Going to get to more of your tweets here when we return for the next hour of the show. At Wesley Euler is where you get at me if you want to get involved in on the Twitter.com. We'll also hear from Cam Hayward around the corner here about seven minutes from now. Cam doing an interview right down the hallway here in our iHeart studios with the DVE morning show. Always love uh, listening to those guys catch up. We will do that, like I said, right around the corner in just a few minutes. But first, though, you know, thinking about replacing Minka Fitzpatrick and, and just everything that's going on with this Steelers team, It's, it is insane how week-to-week week of a game football is. You know, the Steelers, they beat Buffalo week one, and we're all through the roof. We're all high on this team. They're so young. They're only going to get better. The offense struggled, but the defense is dynamite. The offense is going to improve and get better and get more experience. We just went on the road to Buffalo, a team that was in the AFC Championship game, and beat them. Here we go. Here come the Steelers. And then you lose three straight. Right, two of those games being at home, one of those games being into a division foe. You're one and three all of a sudden. Your last place in the division, 
and you're kind of down in the dumps. Then, right, then you win four straight games. Then all of a sudden you claw out of the division. Uh, you go to Cleveland and you shut up that stinking little brother Browns team like we all wanted the Steelers to do. You're feeling much better about yourself. You're looking around the division. All of a sudden, one more win, and you're in first place. And you look around the AFC, and yeah, Tennessee's 7-2, and two, but Derrick Henry's hurt, and they've got their flaws. And yeah, the Bills are still pretty good but they've got their flaws, but what's going on with the Chiefs? What's going on with some of these other teams? It felt wide open. You were very confident in yourself as a Steelers fan. But this is why we love this game, how quickly life can change in the National Football League. It's it's gone back and forth and back and forth already for the Steelers, and we're only halfway through the season. From flying high after Buffalo to a three-game losing streak that had us all mashing the panic button to a four-game winning streak with the Lions coming to town and an opportunity to go back into first place in the division. And now all of a sudden, you're looking at it and not even that, uh, yeah, it's always kind of, you know, going cross-country. Those games are always difficult. But you look at the schedule now. And it's not the teams that are daunting. It's not the road trips that are daunting. What it is, honestly, is is the Steelers' injury report. You know, Ben and Minka dealing with COVID. We're still waiting. What feels like no word is is bad word on Stephon Tuitt. We know Tyson Alualu and Juju Smith-Schuster ain't walking through that door. Chase Claypool has been banged up. TJ Watt is now questionable for Sunday. Man, it's it's rough, isn't it? Like there it, there's excuses and then there's legitimate reasons. And and, and <laughs> these injuries adding up to the, for the Steelers are starting to get to the point of of legitimate reasons, not excuses. Like it's one thing early in the season, all right, you know, TJ misses a game, Alu Alu's out, you've got some guys banged up, but you still keep it moving. But now it man, it's both sides of the ball. If you don't have Ben, you don't have Minka, you don't have TJ, you don't have Tuit, you don't have Alualu, you don't have Juju, you don't have Claypool. I mean, goodness gracious. It's it, it it's tough. I think to not even say be down as a Steelers fan today, but just be concerned with some of these developments. Like I said, that is life in the NFL. You never want to get too high, you never want to get too low. It is it's the ultimate week to week sport. We've already done that flip-flop, flip-flop thing three times this season. From Buffalo to the three-game losing streak to the four-game winning streak to tying the friggin' Lions and now having a, a injury report that looks like a CVS receipt. Entirely too long. But <laughs> that's the NFL, man. That's football. And, uh, and unfortunately, that's what the Steelers are dealing with right now is, is trying to navigate all of that. Why we love it, though. It's absolutely why I love this game. You can go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in the span of a week or two. And, buddy, does it test your fortitude as a fan. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Going to break here to get us into 1 o'clock. You know where to get at me. Final segment of the show when we come back. Like I said, we'll hear from Cam Hayward. I got some good audio to play for Yeans guys from our uh, from our building here, and we will get to all of your tweets. I'm flying solo, so you know I need the tweets today, all right? Don't make me work harder than I have to. Get at me about the Steelers, about the NFL, anything else really sports-related or life-related. 
You know, if you want to ask a question like 920 did, you know, about NFL expanding, anything like that that's sports but on the fringe, I'll take it. You know, I'll take, as always, your your goofy tweets about food. About the, I went Thanksgiving shopping this morning. You have Thanksgiving questions for me? Eh, we'll do that more next week. But you know where to get at me on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, if you want to get involved in the show in the final segment. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR.